everyone. I just saw some wine here. I thought, oh, is that for me? But <laughs> obviously it's not, because I see all this water, and I, and I realize we just had communion, of course. Right, okay. <laughs> not that I want that. I don't want it at all. Okay, so welcome to the second week of the series, Truly, Truly. And um, last week, Richard did a wonderful job. And um, it's just amazing how God works with your passions and he works with your interests when he calls you to do something. Because six weeks ago, I think about six weeks, Chris gave everybody who's going to be speaking um, on the series, he gave them their, their verse. And so I saw the email and I looked at everybody else's verse. And then I thought, you know what, I've got the best one. Yeah, I've got the best one. But the interesting thing is, is that Richard last week said that he had the best one. And I looked at Richard's and I thought, I'm so glad I'm not doing that one because I don't know what I'm going to say on that one. So it's just amazing how God works with your passions and your interests. And I'm really passionate about this text. So my text, it's, um, or this text I'm going to be talking about is found in John 5.24. So if you've got your Bible, just turn to John 5.24 or your electronic device, or you can just look on the screen. And so it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Crossed over from death to life. Now, the book of John, one of the aims of the book of John is to show that Jesus is the Messiah, especially to the Jews, because they didn't believe, they struggled to believe that. And in this passage, Jesus is highlighting his authority. And it would have been really controversial. You would have had religious leaders just going, whoa, 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 stop right there. Now, this is way below the belt, what you're saying. You are basically putting yourself as God. How dare you do that? That is wrong. This is wrong, and this is what would have just led for them to want him to go, because he was shaking things up. And I used to think that it would have been so easy, so much easier to believe in Jesus when he walked and he did his ministry, because you could have talked to him, and you would have seen the miracles, and it would have just been easier to have faith in him. But you know what? It would have been just as difficult as it is now. So apart from, when I did my degree, um, part of my degree, I had to do this module called Biblical Theology. And so you looked at the Bible as a narrative, and you just drew theological answers from what you saw as a narrative. And so we looked at the Old Testament, and we also did stuff in the New Testament, and we looked at the Gospels. And for that um, term, I really got into that, just imagining that I was with Jesus and what it would have been like. And at the end of it, I said to my teacher, do you know what? I'm not sure if I would have believed. I don't know. Because here is this man saying that he's God. And so many people would have been against it. It would have been not the mainstream. It would have been something alternative. You've got religious leaders saying, no, this is madness. And I would have thought, even though he's charismatic, supposing I've got it wrong. Even though I'm get, you know, emotionally I'm changing, but supposing I need to focus on my rational mind. And so this is why when you do believe, you've got to go with what you've experienced with Jesus. You have to have a personal encounter with Jesus and walk in faith in that. Anyway, we're going to have a look at that verse. And so I'm going to pull bits out of it. So, verily, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word. Now, the Greek word for to hear is akouo. And... 
in this um, context is to listen immediately. Now, it almost seems like no-brainer because when you hear something, you hear it immediately. It's not like we've got lots of sounds that are parked in our face and then in due time, you know, we hear it. We hear things immediately. So there's something deeper here. And so we have to look at the word. And so his word, which is logos, his teaching, his instruction, that has power. It has power. If we look at John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's power there. Also, in Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, we look about how, you know, we need to put on God's armor. When we're, you know, when we're dealing with the enemy, we need to put on the armor of God. And so we might, have, not might, we have like the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith. And in verse 17, in 6:17, it says, you know, put on the helmet of your salvation. And also you hold the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the word of God. You see, his word is like a sword. It's, it's a weapon. And it will cut through and slice and penetrate and do something. Even in Hebrews, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, God's word is like a double-edged sword, so it cuts both ways and it separates. And it will show what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, where to go, where not to go. And so when Jesus is saying, whoever hears my word and you have to hear it immediately, it does something and it penetrates, it does surgery in your heart. You're not the same again. Some of you may be thinking, you know what, you've brought, you brought friends here and they came and they don't believe and then they leave and you think, oh, I wonder if it was okay. You know what, I had a friend who came here and sat all 10 minutes, all 10 minutes and then walked out and I cried. But you know, people encourage me, you know what, a seed has been sown. You see, when you hear the word of God, something happens. Something happens. And so I like, studied this two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago. And on the Sunday, I saw it demonstrated. So Mark was standing here. He was standing right here, I can remember. And he was just preaching. And he was just preaching the word of God. And I was at the front, and there was a lady somewhere in the middle. And as soon as he said a statement, I heard this woman go, yes, oh, I feel that, like that. And it just shows that it instantly does something. So we're going back to the text. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me. He's talking about believing in the God who sent him, Jesus. Not the God, not an animal God, not a God who doesn't believe in Jesus, not a material God, but the God who sent him. In John 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who should ever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's Jesus, the God who sent him, who sent Jesus. And the next part that I want to look at is that we'll not be judged. 
Now, I grew up in a really strict religious background and always, constantly, I was told there's going to be judgment, that you've got to fix up, look sharp, be good, because judgment is coming. The hour judgment is coming. I was so scared that, you know what, I used to like look outside and look at the clouds, and if they looked a certain way, I was thinking, oh no, maybe this is it. This is it when Jesus is coming, I'm going to be judged. I was in fear. But do you know what? I tell you that if you are in Jesus... You won't be judged. There is no condemnation when you are in Christ. When you accept him as your savior and you allow him to live in you and you live in him, there is no condemnation. It's like he's a bodyguard and he's standing in front of you and he just takes the bullets and you're just walking and you're protected by Jesus. You can just walk right through. You can walk through. There's no judgment. Years ago, my husband and I went and stayed in this really expensive hotel in London. And it must have been about, I don't know, three, four, five hundred pounds a year, um, not a year, uh, uh, per room for a night. And we didn't pay that. I knew a friend in management, and so she got us in for the weekend for 25 quid. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was over Christmas. We didn't have kids then, yeah? So we stayed there at Christmas. Now, you, have you ever been in a situation yeah, where somebody gives you a great opportunity and you don't clarify everything because you're just so excited that you've got an opportunity? I think she said that we had Christmas dinner, but I wasn't sure and I didn't want to ask. So anyway, we're at this place and we're thinking we need to know if we're going to eat there at Christmas. And we couldn't afford it. It wasn't like a 30 pound. This was going to be like a couple of hundred pound um, meal. And we just needed to know. I said, I think I know. I think she said we had it, but I wasn't sure. And my husband was quite, you know, fed up with me because he's like, you know, you need to know where you stand and everything. And I, you know, sometimes leave everything to sort of float. <laughs> so anyway, Christmas Day came and we were thinking, what are we going to do? Because in London, has anyone been in London, the centre of London, on Christmas Day? There isn't much to eat, and if it is, you have to book in advance, and it's really expensive, unless you go Chinatown or something like that. And so Christmas Day came, and we were hungry, and we didn't know if we had a meal. And we went downstairs, and we were nervous, because everybody looked well-to-do in the hotel, and Al and I looked like two fugitives. And then we went down, and we were too scared to just ask if we got a free meal. And so, mustered the courage, and I stood there, and I said, hi. And then, so, they, you got this elaborate, this beautiful dinner hall, and we couldn't see in, but they had a man standing at the door. And we said, hello, um, we just want to know if we're on the list. And he said, what's your name? And we said, our names. And he said, and what room number are you at? And we told him the room number, and he goes, and who do you know? <laughs> and at that point, my husband said, we're friends of Elise, that was my friend's name. And he looked and he said, friends of Elise, lucky you. <laughs> and he just moved out of the way and we walked right through. There was no question. He just said, you're friends of Elise, come on in. And we sat down and this place was so beautiful. We had a nine course meal. Do you know what? One of the courses was like a mousse of toothpaste, yeah? I guess this is what posh people have just to clear the palate. We had this toothpaste mousse, and we sat, we sat there and we prayed and we started crying because we felt like we were in heaven and we were at God's table. We were just like, wow, this is amazing. And do you know what? This is the same thing 
with us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our saviour, we will be able to sit at God's table. And do you know what? We won't have nine courses. We won't have 10. We won't have 11. We'll have probably about 50 million courses. And we're just going to eat and eat and eat. And do you know what? It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's going on because you've accepted Jesus and you're welcome at his table. You are welcome. You are welcome. Doesn't matter. So the next part is that we cross over from death to life. And at this point right now, I want to just make it clear that this talk is not about if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be rewarded. And if you don't believe, you're going to be punished. It's not about that. It's where your heart is. So is where your treasure is. So if your heart's with Jesus, who is life, that's where your treasure is. If you're focused on the world, which is here today and gone tomorrow, which is essentially death, that's where your treasure is. So this is why when you accept him, you cross over from death to life. And many of us, many of us struggle with just focusing on Jesus, focusing on God, focusing on him. We're like focused on the world. And you know what? I've been in small groups when people are talking about their issues. And then we just they get to the conclusion where they say, you know what? It's just so hard though, isn't it? It's so hard to believe in Jesus. When are we going to stop saying it's so hard? You know, it's too easy to just leave it as a conclusion. It's so hard. We've got to reply. We've got to apply God into our life. And so I was thinking as I was, you know, making this up, I was just thinking, You know what, it's a bit like this, where we're looking at the world and we're just consuming everything that the world has. And Jesus is behind us. God's behind us. And we're just looking at the world. And we just go, God, could you just make this happen? And then we consume, consume, consume. And we're trying to find significance in all the things that we have. And we're just focused on that. And then we're just saying, God, could you just fix that? And we really need to turn to God and we just consume him, but we're just constantly looking at the world, looking at that relationship to complete us, looking at that, you know, that great thing we have. And then something happens and then we start shouting at God, where are you, God? Where are you? Why can't this happen? Why can't I have that job? I need a job. I need a job. Where are you? You know, last week, Richard said, prayer is not about looking for God, letting God see you. It's not like you're going, God, hey, hey, I'm here. Could you make sure that I've got enough money for a mortgage? It's not about that. It's about us seeing God. It's about us saying, God, you're so great. You're so amazing. You are wonderful. Your glory is forever. It's about focusing on God, not our things. And I say this And I say this to some of my friends when I'm talking to them. I don't say this on my high shire horse looking down at you with your Shetland pony. I'm down there too. I'm down there too. And it's a battle. It's a daily battle. But you've got to make a decision to believe. Oh, what's the point? What's the point? Recently, I have been feeling a bit out of my comfort zone. And when I'm out of my comfort zone, I try and seek things to comfort me. 
And I've said this to you before, that I live in a flat with big windows, which is lovely because the light shines through. But I look out the window and I see things, and I come to conclusions, conclusions which are probably not true. You see, I live opposite my son's school, so I see a lot of people outside that I know. And I'll look at mums, and I'll look at people having fun, and I'm like, oh, look, they're having fun, not without me, or do they like me? And it's stupid, it's just being paranoid, and I have to combat that lie. Anyway, there's this lady that I know, and she's not well at the moment, so her mum is from South Africa, and she's over for a couple of months to support her. And so last week, I was feeling a little bit, you know, just out of my comfort zone. I was just hungry for someone great to just comfort me, just to make me feel I'm okay. I'm all right. It's going to be okay. So I'm looking out the window, and I see this lady arm in arm with her mum. And it just hit me there because it's what I wanted. I want a mum who I can walk arm in arm down the road with. And you know what? It's so funny because every time I look out the window, I see them walking down the road arm in arm. It's like, oh, gosh, here it is again. And so Jesus said to me, when you go outside in a minute, I want you to walk down the road and believe that I'm holding, we're arm in arm together. We are arm in arm together. And I am God. He's saying, I'm... I, I'm God, I created everything, everything and so much more, and I'm with you, I'm everlasting. Her mum's going back to South Africa, what's she gonna do then? But God is there all the time, and I have to make that the truth because he's more real. He's more real than her mum, arm in arm, walking down the road. And I have to say to myself, that's right, I have Jesus with me. I have Jesus with me. And like I said, I keep seeing them, and it used to hurt me. And then I thought, no, 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 I'm going to see that as a positive picture. God wants to show me, look, I'm with you, just like how she is with her daughter. I'm like that with you. I'm like that with you. And then at times I'm feeling anxious, and I have to just put my hand here, and I have to say, God is with me. You know, this world is going so fast. I've been out of the loop because I've been a stay-at-home mum for so long, and it just seems like everything is going fast, and you've got to hustle, and you've got to be something, and you've got to do it quickly before somebody else does it. And I feel anxious because I don't know how to do it, and God is saying, I've got a plan for you. I have a plan, a plan to prosper you and not harm you. Don't worry. And then sometimes I think, oh, gosh, am I okay? Am I good enough? Do I fit in? And he's saying, listen, your identity is in me, and I have to apply his truth to me rather than focus on the lies. We've got to believe in God, believe in his word. Okay, so lastly, I want to just leave you a few things. So five practical ways to hear God's word and believe in him. And the first one is to read the word of God. Read his word, simply. You know, so many of us are running around trying to get someone to give us a word. But you know what? There's his word in the Bible. You can't go wrong. I'm not knocking a word from people, but you can't go wrong with this if you read it. So read his word and ask the Holy Spirit to just, just make, it, make whatever God wants you to know plain so you can respond. And the second is to spend time in prayer with God. Be in his presence. Don't just use him as someone to just give you things. Be in his presence, and don't forget to just listen to him. Listen to what he has to say to you. And third one, recognize God's glory and power 
and that he loves you. Recognize that he's amazing. He's created the universe, that he's the strongest thing there, and yet he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. I've got this app, this new app that I've downloaded for my son. It's called Skyview. And what you do, you look through your camera and it shows you where all the stars are in the universe. And it also shows you where the planets are. So you're like moving around and it will just show you right there, 11 million miles is Mars. And to the you know, left is, is Venus right behind it. And it will just puts you in perspective of where you are in the universe. And I'm thinking, wow. My God made all of that, and yet he wants a relationship with me. So recognize his glory. Recognize how amazing he is and that he loves you. And the fourth one is, if you don't know what love is, if you don't know what it's like to have a real relationship, a healthy relationship, look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Have a look at what love is and apply that to your life. It says, love is patient. See that God is patient with me. Love is kind. God is kind with me. Have a look at that. Meditate on that. And number five, the last thing is trust God with every aspect of your life. Don't go to the world to tell you who you are. Go to God. Receive God's love because he's there for you.